Hello! Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast all about how our multiple passions and interests shape our identity and our lives. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I am a musician and therapist in Los Angeles, and I also happen to be your host. This podcast is produced by Laura Studeris, and for this season, we've partnered up with Under the Radar magazine. If you like what you hear, you can hang out with us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at WNB, the podcast. And if you really, really like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We are under Why Not Both podcast. When you join our Patreon, you get a whole bunch of really cool behind the scenes stuff and you get to chat with us. And that's pretty awesome. Thank you so much for your support. And I hope you enjoy our interviews. For this week's episode, we welcomed the devastatingly charming David Duchovny. I hope that you enjoy our interview. Yeah, so the, fir- the first book I wrote uh, about L.A., I mean, I, I purposefully chose L.A. because I thought I knew that the story had a certain amount of Mormons in it. So I thought, I mean, when I, when I conceived the story, I thought, oh, it'll probably have to be in, in Utah. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, there's a land grab in it. So I started trying to figure out where there might be land that's worth more than the owners might know in Utah. And then I was like, ah, I'm going to have to go to Utah. Nothing against Utah. But I was like, I got to go to Utah and research. Really too lazy for that. And then um, I had a researcher who said, you know, San Bernardino was founded by Mormons. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow. I was, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I can write my LA novel. Yeah. That's fascinating because I was listening to the album that your publicist sent and it sounded like when you drive to Joshua Tree, for whatever reason, it sounded like that one stretch of highway after you've gone past, wow, I was just going to say the wind energy things. I'm an articulate yeah. person. The wind. The wind. <laughs> yes. It's like, and you go up the hills and then crest into the valley. That's what it sounded like to me. Yeah. I mean, well, Pacific Coast Highway is a road that I've, I've, traveled so many times there's a song called pacific coast highway on the album and and certainly you know the 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 more songs that i write the more songs are going to be kind of informed by my present day life in a way and less you know when you first starting to write songs it's like god you have your whole life to pull from you know you've never written songs before so i'm going to write a song about that thing that happened to me and then you know you get all those songs out of you like and you're like, oh shit, now I got nothing to write about, but what happened now? So it's like, oh, here's a Pacific Coast Highway song, you know? So it, stuff like that can start to be liberating and happen. But yeah, I think probably because also musically I opened up to, you know, being more of a band, I think the sound, the sounds of this are more, more open and, and different from the first two, just like the, the ambient sound of it, the production of it, the, you know, the arrangement of the songs. I, I open myself up more in this one. That's kind of fascinating also that right before I remembered to actually hit record, uh, we were talking about the layers of memories and cities. And yeah. you just said that like this, the songs that you write are about you, but it sounds like then the novels you write pull from outside of you in a way. And I was curious if that's always the way of things or if there's ever Christy Crossy or what happens there? It's all crisscross. I mean, there's not, you know... Uh, unless you're writing a memoir, it's really not about you. And, and I'm not sure that memoirs are even about 
the people that are writing it anyway. You know, it's right. it's a bird a version of yourself. Right. Um, songs to me are actually closer to uh, act, acting to me uh, in that I kind of think of each song as as being a character or each each person singing or speaking that song is a character and, and they're telling a story in, in that song. And uh, <clears throat> not necessarily a story song like you hear a country song, you know, where right. you know there's a beginning, <laughs> middle of, of uh, there's banjo, there's you know, a shotgun, you know. Right, but there is a journey, you know. There is some, or an attitude, or a point of view, or a, a point of view, you know. And and that's like if if somebody asked me, you know, is that song about you? I'll I'll always say, well, I mean, in a way, they're all about me, but there, it's really I refer to that that song is that guy who's singing that song you know because it's like it really feels like that's a character that's a that's a facet that's a part that's a one way of looking at this thing i like that you compared it to acting because in a way then you have the process of when you're writing that song in the studio and crafting it that way but then do you then inhabit that facet when you're performing it live or does it change like depending on where you're performing it in front well that that <clears throat> that go that question takes takes us from uh, writing as a character or inhabiting a character when you're writing to trying to express that character with the voice, which is more like acting, <clears throat> and brings me, you know, face to face with uh, you know my own performance limitations, like <clears throat> like like happens in in acting, you know, daily when you're acting. I mean, you're you're doing a, as good a job as you can and you're trying to do the best you can, but you know, we're not all Meryl Streep who seems to be limitless. I mean, she's like the only person that can do everything. Like she can do all the boys parts better than all the boys, you know, she can just do it all. So, I mean, there's only one of her as far as I can see. And uh, there's, you know, the rest of us are like me and uh, we're, we're, we're trying to get to that magic place and sometimes we do, but we're we're limited, and uh, certainly vocally, I'm totally limited. So, I <clears throat> I'll try, you know, as I as I become less concerned over, especially live, less concerned over like giving a a pitch perfect performance. It's like, oh my god, I'm gonna go flat, and they're gonna laugh at me. I'm le- as I get less concerned with that, probably because I go flat less, but also because I don't care as much right and so, so far no one has come at you with pitchforks <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you know it's like oh at least nobody has a recording of it and they're like oh oh but they do listen to that <laughs> uh, so uh yeah once i can free myself of like the reverence of the perfectly pitched note or attachment to the way it sounded when i had you know, multiple takes to do it in the studio, then yeah, I can get to the more important thing, which is actually getting the song across. Yeah, yeah. And and you don't need, you know, the best pipes in the world to get a song across. Many of the singers that I love, male and female, you know, don't have, quote unquote, the best voices, but they can get a song across. 
I liked what you said about recognizing limitations because sometimes having limitations and boundaries is what actually can spark really wonderful creative ideas because if you have endless options, it's like, it's overwhelming. No, I love a deadline. I was like, I know I'll make something. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it'll be any good, but you'll have something at the end of the day if you say, okay, we've got your kids kidnapped. <laughs> write us a song by the end of the day or, or else I'll be like, I'll get you a song. You're like, I will Liam Neeson this up. I will. <laughs> but unless, <laughs> if you don't take kids, then I'll probably just put my ass and do nothing, you know? Oh my God, by the I'll, way. <laughs> I'll sit there waiting for inspiration, you know? Yes, it's just being take, Yeah. I'm mentally taking notes like make David write song, take children. <laughs> maybe, maybe if I take a nap, I'll dream a riff. Yeah, that's that's probably how it happens. That's probably how it happens. By the way, right before I started talking to you, a pin sprung out of my mic stand, and I still don't really know how to reattach it because I'm actually in my friend's home because there's construction at mine. So that's why all of a sudden now I'm trying to sit with like better posture, but I'm very short and this chair is really small. So I'm like, how do I do this? Oh, I, I was going to, I was going to take in all your background and try to try to tell a story about it, but now I won't do it because it's not really yours. Ooh, ooh, half of it's mine. And that would be an interesting story. If I duck out of the way, guess which half is mine? Here, I'll duck. So that way. The crystal's not yours. Um. Strangely enough, the crystals that are mine are actually across the way. Oh, oh wait. Okay. Do I have? No. I was just like, all of the crystals that are mine are actually out of you. And now I'm like, oh, my God, there's secret crystals that aren't even mine behind me. Yeah. It's a big <laughs> Or is that, are those the angels? Oh, those are the angels' oh, wings. wings. I thought yeah. that was a crystal. See, here, I'll move the mic stand so you can see those are the wings. I got it now. I got it. Oh, you really should have. You should have been wearing those uh, when we started the interview. Right. <laughs> There's so much fun because you don't need straps on them. You just tape a magnet wherever you want, and then just. Yep. Uh, I'll have to get my, myself a pair. I'll send you the link. It's a woman in California that makes these wonderful angel wings. Yeah, you know that's uh, one of my favorite quotes. It's a it's a aphorism by Nietzsche, which says. Angels can fly because they take themselves so lightly. Why does no one else get that Nietzsche was actually really funny? Like Nietzsche was actually a delight in some ways. Well, well you know, they have they have this misconception that, that somehow Hitler used Nietzschean philosophy to kind of bolster, you know, his his Third Reich philosophy. So, which which is not. Which is not true, and then you have like the misunderstanding of the Superman concept or the yes, yeah, so, yeah. It's it's all misreading of Nietzsche, weak misreading, as Harold Bloom would say. But the actual Nietzsche, yeah, is full of full of humor and and satire and uh, tragedy, uh, like any of the great Eastern European writers, like Kafka, is very very funny. Uh, Samuel Beckett, people mistake, is very very funny. Yes. Well, and also Nietzsche yeah. was a classicist. It's hard to be a classicist and not have a weird sense of humor. Right, right. Birth of tragedy. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm glad you got the Nietzsche vibe. 
I feel like you know on on the album. I don't think I have any any Nietzsche. Uh, although I would think like the idea of gesture land is somewhat somewhat Nietzschean, but uh, like Mind of Winter, I quote Wallace Stevens. Here's Wallace Stevens right here, right by me. So that that I come to honestly. Uh, I feel like I'm the only only uh, rock song writer to quote Wallace Stevens. I hope I remain the only. I was like, what was the quote that you pulled? And in mortifying news, I wrote an album based on Anais Nin's diaries when I was like 21. So yeah, Yeah. the extraordinary nerd in me sees the extraordinary nerd in you. (laughs) You No, I just mind of winter was always such a great phrase to me, you know, Stephen's uh, poem and, uh, I forget what the exact quote is. You have to have a mind of winter. <laughs> I don't remember the quote, but just it it was just like one of those one of those phrases that just was uh, just made a song in my mind. You know, I made a song in my mind around it, you know. What was the writing process like for this record? And was it written because it seems like it was written prior to then the great undoing of 2020? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, yes, all of it. Um, we were we were close to finishing uh, a year ago, March, right when the lockdown happened. In fact, the last time I left my house for something other than to walk my dog or to get groceries for like three or four months was uh, to do some vocals. So we were just a little bit short. We didn't have harmonies we didn't have horns and strings and all the stuff that you want on the album so if we'd had like another month we probably would have had this album out a year ago but we got pulled up short obviously music is not something you can record in this day and age because everybody's expectorating a bunch of uh, aerosols when they're singing and blowing mm-hmm. the horns mm-hmm. You're all in these uh, soundproof, airtight little rooms. It's like it's a recipe for disaster. So yeah. we had to uh, we had to shut down for the longest time. And that's so yeah, all, all these songs were written written before that. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything. Yeah, no, I didn't. We didn't record any. I mean, I have some new songs, but we didn't record them uh, for this. I mean, in the meantime, between shutting down and going back and finishing, you know, we wrote more songs, but we didn't record any of the new ones. It just sparked in my mind when you had said like the winter of the mind, because it, it preceded then kind of this hibernation period. And I was like, Oh, yeah, that exactly. came before. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think if lyrically and musically, if you, if you write from a place of, if you try to write from a place of uh, not really neutrality, but but objectivity, and and you're trying to write for uh, an unknown audience that you feel is going to be able to listen to those songs and inject themselves into the song, then you're going to be okay for any any historical occurrence because human emotions are not going to change, you know, and our reactions 
are not going to change. So if, if you're writing songs about love and regret and fear and togetherness and apartness and all the things that concern us as humans, those things are not going to change for even if a once in a lifetime pandemic hits. I mean, obviously you can try to write a pandemic song, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it sounds like. <laughs> now I'm wondering if what I ended up writing last year were accidentally pandemic songs, because I agree with you that there's not really, I don't terribly believe in objectivity now that I think about it. Um, I do think that there are those like universal emotions that like to say that it's like when people champion rationalism and are like, oh no, I don't have any feelings about this. I'm just telling you the facts. I was like, no, no, we're all, we're all a mix. Um, and so yeah. I'm wondering like if things that were written last year had that in them that I'm just like, and even the new songs that you wrote that you didn't get to record yet. I was like, I wonder what, what snuck in there. You know, who knows? It's, it's, I'm sure. I'm sure people got to a place of, of loneliness, uh, I'm sure of fear of, of the unknown, but those things don't have to be expressed literally towards a virus or a moment in time. You know, those things are part of the human condition. So um, it's just that great songs, we can, they reinterpret themselves. They, they, they rise up again and again, even though they were written during a specific time when specific things were happening to those songwriters, whenever they were. Right. Um, somehow they were able to be universal enough and not, not write the words coronavirus into their lyrics so that <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't bump you out of the song and you can, you can join in. Right. No matter what kind of history it is. That makes me think of kind of like the writing, like Leonard Cohen's song, Famous Blue Raincoat. It's such a specific song, but it's such a universal emotion. Right, right. So the only, the only way that becomes tied to a, a time is if, you know, we get to the point where there's no more rain. You know, we won't need raincoats anymore. And that's probably not going to happen. So I think he's safe. <laughs> Leonard Cohen is safe for now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What has it been like kind of re-emerging into the creative world? Because you do have so many things going on and that is in a way the conceit of even how you came to be on this podcast is that I talk to people who do a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. how has that been now that we're kind of re-emerging into society? And do you feel that like your identity has changed really after going through that experience and now going back into these projects? My identity or, or the identity that people uh, think of when they look at me or think of me. Uh, that's actually a really interesting distinction. And like, there's the identity of how we perceive ourselves, but then there's also that we went through a year of not being really perceived very much. I guess, right. do you feel different internally? And do you feel that people's perceptions have changed? I guess that's a two-parter. I don't think I feel different internally. I mean, I think I'm... I feel like I'm set. You know, I've been an adult for quite a while. I mean, it's not that things can't hurt me or change my thought or, you know, I can't get up, I can't get down, you know, whatever. Of course I can, but like my general lens of looking at things is, 
it's pretty much what it's been for a while. It's just my tools for uh, to be able to express that are, I feel, get more varied and get better. I get better at it. So it gets closer to what I feel. Um, I, 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 I get better at making whatever I'm doing match up more closely with the inspiration and, and the kind of unworded existence of the things inside me and give them words or give them notes or, you know, I just, I think I get better at executing whatever that expression is, whether it's acting or writing or making music. Um, I hope I get better. Uh, so, but the inside, I don't think that changes, just like the expression changes. Mm. Um, the inside changes that's an interesting way to put it especially as i was chatting with someone about how much i enjoy getting older for that reason is that i think aging gets a bad rap but i get really excited because that means i get to learn more stuff and iterate on the things i'm doing and discover new ways to express myself yeah I and mean, you hope for for wisdom right you know rather than knowledge and and uh <clears throat> i hope that that comes through i think Shit, I don't know. I mean, it's like sometimes I think, well, I've said everything I want to say. And then all of a sudden I'll have this new thing that's demanding that it come out in a different way. I'm like, oh, that's exciting. And then you're going to say different things because it, as you said earlier, in the necessity, now you've got this thing that's asking for work. It's asking for you to put yourself into it. Um, that's exciting. So I'm like, wow, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> That's kind of the best when projects sneak up on you. Well, as a writer, um, as a novel writer, uh, the cliche is, you know, if you're not surprising yourself, you won't surprise the reader. So uh, I have felt that way. You know, I felt very surprised. Uh, as an actor, I certainly feel that way. I, I feel like, oh, Wow, that was that was different. I didn't. I we rehearsed it, and then you know I knew it, and we did it three times, and then that fourth time, something happened. Something really good happened, or really bad. Something. Different. <laughs> that's those are the best times, and really bad and really good are really close. That's what you learn as you get older. Oh like yeah. Good and bad. Good and bad are here. There's good over here and bad over here. But really good is here and really bad is here. <laughs> yes. Oh, that, as you can see, I was like, well, that landed. <laughs> <laughs> that's. Yeah, and that, that's the danger. Yeah. Because, like, I can be like, I'd be like, oh, I'm coming out with this really good thing. I know it, it's really good. And then it's like, oh, no, that was actually really bad. That was really bad. <laughs> Well, and in some ways, it's not that I aim for really bad. Obviously, I'm aiming for really good. But yeah. sometimes I know that I put something out that actually was affecting in a way when I actually get people saying like that it made them uncomfortable or they didn't like it. Like sometimes right. I'm hearing people's feedback that they didn't like something like I think I'd rather actually hear that than just someone saying, oh, yeah, it was okay. Oh, yeah. Okay is the worst. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, ew, oh, God, I, oh, I got to do something better than that, jeez. <laughs> like, yeah. 
I mean, if you get really bad or uncomfortable from a person, you know, you, you have to take that in and go, okay, there's two things going on here, possible things. One is just that person is telling me more about themselves than they really need to. Or two, I should look at that. You know, maybe I missed, maybe, maybe I did screw up, you know, maybe I didn't do what I was thinking I was doing and let's learn from that. Right. Well, and that goes back to like, if people's perceptions of you have changed or people's perceptions of your work, especially as you are putting out work in so many different. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I no longer know what people's perceptions. I think, I mean, my, my, my fear is that they're uh, frustrated and tired of me <laughs> and things like, Oh, please cut it out or whatever. Like, why can't you just be happy being what we thought you were doing? You know, why don't you keep doing that? Um, uh, then I'm also afraid, like, if I'm trying to do really good things in all these different venues, am I, am I going to be able to do it? Or will I just be able to kind of dabble, you know, mm -hmm. as I, and not really sink my feet down and you know take a swing so hell if i know i don't know i mean i just know that it's interesting to me to try to do different things and it's it's like trying to look at the same thing from different angles for me yeah it's like you said it's expressing these different things in different ways because i think that dabblers get a bad rap in our society there's a lot of narratives around dabblers that were dilettantes or that we're doing something wrong or that if you don't jump all the way and you're not committed to the thing you're doing yeah it's kind of like the method actor business like oh my god they really you know they lived it they lived it and i was like yeah and it still sucked <laughs> I'm like, I don't think you need to do the Christian Bale yo-yo diet to like do a good job. Um, bless Christian Bale. But yes, I was just like, that's, that's spicy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, because <laughs> um, yeah, I think that what you said is that unifying factor is you're looking at expression, but you're looking at expression from different angles. So in a way, you are jumping feet first into expression. It's just that you're mm -hmm. all the different facets. It's just that, okay, if my goal is to express and to tell stories, like how am I going to do that? Look at all these different ways right. to do that. Yeah. And I guess there's a, you know, there, there, there may be like a misperception. Oh, he wants to be a rock star or, oh, he wants to be a Pulitzer Prize winning novelist. Now that would be nice. That'd be fine. I wouldn't say no, but honestly, I didn't get into those things to do that because I was lucky enough to have like major recognition in one area that should be enough to last anybody a few lifetimes. And while I do enjoy being recognized um, in the other areas as well, uh, I don't have the same kind of ambition to reach that kind of level of mm -hmm. like eyes or and or like, is this album a failure if it doesn't sell as many as people who watched the other stuff that I've done? You know, right. like to me, that's not really how I look at it. And um, so I guess a misperception would be I'm attempting to get to a certain place when in fact I'm at the place I want to be. And I'm just kind of telling you what it's like there through this album or through this novel or um, 
you know, whatever. Um, I can't control the rest of it. You know? Yeah. And I, and I, I'm way too old to want to be a rock star. You know? like, <laughs> do I love the fact that I could go and, you know, fill a 3,000 seat place as a musician? Yeah. Do I care that people were coming because they knew me as an actor? Not really, but I care what they think when they leave, you know? Right. Right. When it comes down to kind of why are you creating things? Because that's interesting that you had that fear of like, why can't you stay static? Why can't you kind of be almost like, I don't know, kind of held in resin in people's minds as this one thing? It's like, well, you're not static. You're a human being. Of course, you're going to do a bunch of different stuff. Well, the other thing is, I'm just going to check my phone because I, I think I, I don't, I, because, because, see, this is where I'm rushing because I overbooked, right? So let me just ah. see. Oh, the next one started five minutes ago, but I started you late. So, you think we can be done in like ten minutes? What do you think? I think we could do that. That could be like a ten-minute challenge. Okay. Yeah, you're not static, and also you seem to create. Nope. to express yourself Nobody's that. but i do also understand that we have a limited amount of and i hate using this word because i don't even know what it means bandwidth to to uh for me uh in a like theorized public like 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 i know that people have a conception of me from this work or that work probably two major works and they probably you know and then they're real fans of, I get it I'm the same way I want to think of uh, who uh, like here's Wall Stevens I want to think about him as a poet like if he started acting I might be a little annoyed I'd be like no I mean I don't, I don't have time to think about him as an actor <laughs> you know like I have my own life to live I, I thought I had him in this little place and I was fine with him there. I liked him. He's cool. I like him. But now was, no, don't leave me alone. Don't make me change the way I think. So that I think there's a little bit of that. At least in my mind, it goes on. Yes. And you're doing a podcast, which is really about that, which is interesting. Thank you. Yeah, I find it yeah. fascinating that we still have this narrative that people are one thing and also of how to how to conceptualize of ourselves as multiple things, but how to give other people that freedom as well. Because you're right, we do sometimes have calcified ideas of who someone is and then we're reluctant to change them because change yeah. is scary, it's unpredictable. And so we're like, oh God, now I have to think about this in this different way, but I've been fine thinking about it this other way. I mean, and also like just to think about the social upheaval in the last two or three years, we, 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 have, we have been forced, thank God, to reckon with, you know, sex and color in the last three years in, in ways that we, you know, we're all like, whew, we're all and like our, you know, bandwidth, you know, like it's <laughs> taken up. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's a, I, I guess it's all about trying to remain fluid, I guess. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Fluid and expression and giving people space to also have that same fluidity, because I find it very interesting when people are doing what you're doing, where you're just like, yes, I know you have this conception of who I am, but I'm also this other thing and you can choose to engage with it or you can choose to not engage with that side of me. Like I'm just showing you these are the different facets and that it's not like you have to hide those things. And then to say, is it possible to engage with it um, innocently? 
Is it possible mm -hmm. to engage with it without bringing a preconceived notion of me from some other place to it? Is it possible to put on this album and just listen to the music without thinking, oh, it's that guy from that thing? Is it possible to read a novel and, and engage with it as an actual you know, work of literature and not think, oh, it's a little like an X-File or that's a little <laughs> like an So that's the other question. I mean, is it helpful at all for me to tell you my experience with that? Sure, but do it quickly because I, I, I'm now I'm feeling rushed. But go ahead, tell me. I will I, be I brief and then I don't want to pressure you. Um, essentially, I got sent your album and thought to myself, how do I listen to the music of a person who I had on a lunchbox that I carried as a purse when I was 12? See? Yeah, there you go. You're the perfect. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? And so I just... I opened the doors of this lovely place that I'm staying and because I'm like, I'm not even in my own home. This is very disorienting. What do I do? So I just sat outside, closed my eyes, had a watermelon popsicle and listened to oh. your album. Yeah, it was a very specific. I don't know why that was part of the ritual, but here we are. It just seemed like the way it was very warm outside last night. Um, but I just engaged with what did that experience feel like? And that experience reminded me of like driving to Joshua Tree and it reminded me of the highways and like the city where I'm from and like, it kind of just like, I was like, what is this evoking in me now that is very different from my experience of your artistic output when I was a middle schooler with a lunchbox purse? Um, well, thank you for, uh, for having the energy to kind of put that aside. And you've, and you've given me a, a, an idea to include a, a watermelon popsicle with every copy of uh, the album that's sold. So you see how... <laughs> Please tell me how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate it. Pleasure having this conversation with you. I, I think it's a really interesting uh, slant that you use, and uh, I enjoyed it. Thanks. Thank you. That makes me really happy to hear, and I hope that I hope that all the dominoes of things line up today. The dominoes are hopelessly scrambled at this point, but I'll do my best. <laughs> Well, it was a pleasure, and uh, in a few years, we will have you on again, and you can tell us how the watermelon popcorn so, experiment went. Uh, there uh, we go. Sooner uh, rather than later. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode.